Hello, Nintendudes and Nintendudettes, you Sony bronies, and you Xbox foxes. This is the How Long to Beat podcast, and uh, this is our fifth episode? Yeah. I think so. Um, and I wanted to save this announcement for when we were all here together. We are officially on the iTunes podcast store. Woo! It took a lot of work to figure it out, but thanks to some suggestions I got from the forums, I was able to get hosting and get it onto the uh, podcast service. So now you can just search How Long to Beat Podcast in the iTunes uh, store, download all of our episodes for free, Bing, bang, boom, you're good to go. Anyway, I'll introduce myself. I am Kerfmurf, and I am the token insomniac of the podcast. Go ahead and introduce yourselves, guys. I guess that makes me the token narcoleptic, and I'm Rick. <laughs> Do you want to trade for might... a day? No, not even slightly. I think we might have to duke it out for the title, Kerf. Okay. <laughs> for now, I'll let you have it. You can be the token insomniac next week, or next two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, no, I'm the token oversleeper, because I thought I woke up at 8 this morning, and I looked at the clock, and I was like, this is 3 p.m. This is not okay. Oh, I hate when that happens. Yeah, I was like, it's so good, I'm going to wake up early, and then I didn't, and I was like, no, this is bad. So, token sloth. (laughs) Sloths are cute. I'm fine with that. There we are, so today, uh, we are going to, I don't even remember how we said we were going to split this up. Uh, I believe we're having a discussion topic um, based on, I think, something that Uveg, Uveg, however you pronounce it, posted in the questions thread about retirements. We're going to turn that into a whole discussion topic. Uh, what are we doing after that? I know you pinned it somewhere. Here we I go. I did. So next uh, up is Game of the Month. Right. Which- Nine, 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 nine hours, nine persons, nine doors. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about recently beat, currently playing, and we're going to move into some questions we chose from the forums. Um, and I am actually going to set timers for this episode because I have a busy, busy life and ain't nobody got time for this. Wrong. I am going to smack you across cyberspace. Um, we're taking auditions if, if anyone wants to be <laughs> <laughs> We or need a new member. Board and a voice and you're good to go. Next episode, we're going to have an announcement at the beginning that Rick was tragically <laughs> found dead under a bridge. Mysteriously shot himself six times in the back of the head. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to set our timer, and we are just going to go for it. Um, So Uveg's question was broken down into like four parts. It was, when do you retire a game? What can a game do for you to retire it immediately, even though you might have been enjoying it so far? What do modern or older games do that make you want to retire them? And do you give games a second chance after retiring them? So I guess we can just kind of go through those one at a time. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, I didn't used to retire games a lot, and I have done it much more recently just because my life 
has been busy as all get out. Um, I don't know how how frequently do you guys retire games? All the time. Almost I... never. Okay. So we got a good <laughs> I spread didn't here. Think you had more to talk about. <laughs> no, it's fun. I expected that we'd find ourselves on opposite ends of the spectrum again. <laughs> I I never used to be too bad. I used to try and plug through whatever I played. The turning point for me was a game called Army of Two, the 40th Day on the PSP. I hated that game. (laughs) I got through the first three or four levels. I was just like, this is awful. I'm not enjoying it. Just keep going. And there was this bloody on-rails section. And I had an epiphany. And it was, why am I playing this game? I paid £1.50 for it. Why am I torturing myself to get value for money for £1.50? And since then, I've been pretty ruthless. And it's a case of, if I'm not enjoying the game, you know, I'll maybe give it an hour, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less. It goes. The time is worth more to me than however however much I've spent on the game. Yeah, I think a lot of people have similar epiphanies when they realize that, like, it's okay to retire games. I had a similar Mm. epiphany myself. Um, I used to just suffer through just about everything that I said I was going to start. And it it actually took a pretty damaging toll on my mental health for a while. Because, you know, if, if you commit yourself to like a 60-hour game and you hate it three hours in, then over the next couple of weeks or next couple of months, you're just going to hate your life if you decide to stick it out. And What, what game is it? What hurt you? Oh, <laughs> gosh. Um. Oh, ah, da 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 da. I'm. I pulled up my my retirements list actually. To okay, here it is. Chips challenge. Have you either of you played Chips Challenge? Never heard of it. No. Okay, so it's like a really old game. Um, I don't even remember. I mean, it was for computers, but. It's basically just a series of really convoluted puzzles with, you know, really simple mechanics, but you have to, like, these puzzles can take upwards of, like, 40 minutes to complete, and if you make one wrong move within those 40 minutes that you're trying to complete them, it screws everything over. So for Chip's Challenge, I put, I think, 15 hours into that game, and... I remember my roommate at the time just saw like how pallid and lusterless my skin was from just sitting in the room and like on the verge of tears from it. And he was like, dude, you just have to stop playing the game. And I did. And I'm so glad. I can't imagine anything worse. Go on. How about you, Taste? Why do you put yourself through the ringer? Well, I look at it differently. Um, I don't usually list that I'm playing a game until I've made it at least two hours through the game. So I don't view it as retiring because I never like started the game in the first place. All right, that's so. Cheap. Well, fuck off! I, I mean, <laughs> go away. Bleep. Hang on, I've got something for that. Um, but my retired games are games that I got a substantial part of the way through and then like through no fault of my own didn't finish them so like games like monster hunter where 
I could probably go back and not restart it and play it, then I would. But um, you have to be pretty terrible for me to like absolutely stop and say, I will not play this game. But So I pick up and drop games really easy, but I never considered them retired. Okay. Hmm. And is that... Because you were raving about Monster Hunter. Is that the same one that you sort of dropped and not come back to? Uh, yeah, I drop most of them, and then I come back to them later, because they're games that you can just... So, I, they're they're fun games, they're great, it's just, um, long-running games like that, I tend to not finish all in one go. Hmm, okay. That makes sense, yeah. Same thing with, like, most of my games, I thought... I started Fallout 3, what, like, five months ago? And I still <laughs> haven't finished it? I'm really not that great at finishing games, I whatever yeah i mean when i got breath of the wild i i mean i didn't touch it until maybe june or july after it came out for the first time and then i just put it back on the shelf for like eight months came back to it played a significant portion of it and then i put it back on the shelf and i haven't touched it again since even though eventually i know i'll i'll go back to it but yeah, I, think I need to restart that one because I don't. I got a significant part of the way through it, and then I kind of forgot a lot of what happened. Mm-hmm. So once that happens, I think I need to restart. But Mifa is Bay. She is one hundred percent Bay. She's Bay. She's she's just so wonderful. So to let's just kind of give maybe one quick answer to that first question. Um, when do you retire a game? And I think I'm most interested to hear your answer, Toast, because, like, what if, if you've gotten like ten or more hours into a game, what would make you retire it? Basically, um, I have retired games like that before. Actually, recently I was playing Mario um, 64 DS, and I just like. It was pretty pathetic, because I was just like, well, I need to make it through the game, and I was just, like, inconsolably weeping, because I couldn't just, I couldn't hack it, because the the touch controls are just so terrible, (laughs) and I just, I couldn't do it, so I just, I retired that game. So, if I physically cannot beat it through, with, like, through means of myself, then I have to retire it, because I physically can't do it. All right. How about you, Rick? Uh, for me, probably the biggest thing is if the game doesn't respect my time. Mm-hmm. So, and this will probably tie into when we talk about older games in terms of quality of life things that like it takes ages to go through menus or if things are really cluttered, it has to be a very good game for me to even attempt to power through that. Or uh, one that I retired recently, Rage I. How do you say it? Ray Gigant, I think it is. It was on Vita. It's also been on Steam. It's a dungeon crawler, but it everything feels like it takes way too long to do, mm-hmm. even for a dungeon crawler. And there wasn't really anything compelling about it, so I, was, I just got to the stage where I was like, fuck this. And I retired it. And it wasn't a terrible game, but it felt like it was dragging itself out for the sake of dragging itself out. And that really rubs me up the wrong way in a game. Alright. I can I can dig that. Um I would say that I find myself most frequently retiring games, and this is gonna make me seem like such a filthy casual, 
But I retire games if they're just too difficult right out the gate uh, frequently. Um, Get good. Hey. <laughs> Look, I don't... <laughs> like I've mentioned, I just... I, I barely have enough time to play the games that, you know, I'm making good progress on. So if I find a game that is really halting me, even if I'm enjoying it, like I had this experience with Neo a couple of months ago, um, the like samurai dead dark souls game. Um, so I was playing that and I was loving it, but I got to the first boss and that's a big choke point for most people who have played that game. And I had put about five hours into it and I looked and I mean, that wasn't even like a tenth of the game that I had completed so far. And then I just, I didn't have the patience at that point to, you know, devote so much of my life to that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not like a fault of the game. I, I don't mind difficulty in games as much as I used to. But like, I, I also had this experience with the platformer that came out recently, The End is Nigh. Um... It might be, like, a slight spoiler, but it's not, like, a story-heavy game. Basically, in the first half of the game, you're jumping around collecting all of these... Tumors, I think they're called? You're jumping around collecting them, and they're just... You think that they're just collectibles, just random little things. But then you get to the second half of the game, and those actually become your lives. And you have to basically complete the entire second half of the game using that set amount of lives... Oh, I like that concept. And if you run out, you have to start the entire second half of the game again. I, I can get behind I that. I think. Or maybe it's just every world you have to restart. But in any case, uh, I think I got to my first game over because I just... I, I thought they were collectibles. I didn't get all of them on the first half of the playthrough um, because it doesn't really si signal. So I didn't have the patience to you know, brute force my way through it at that point. Still a fun game. I just had to give it up. Hmm. I mean, I think with ones like that as well, it also depends on how long it is. Like, how long did it take you to get to that turning point in the game? It only took me about three hours. Um, but I didn't want to have to replay those three hours, picking up the collectibles along the way just to stand a better chance. So is that the kind of thing then where you might give it three or four months and come back to it? Uh, longer than three or four months, probably. <laughs> It'll probably have to be a year or two, but maybe. You know, I actually get that because there's quite a few visual novels that lock you out of routes. If you go through them blind and you choose the wrong choices, there's certain routes that you can only see once. Oh. So there has been multiple games where it's just like, are you kidding me? And um, I think Rewrite is a very famous one. And then IO is another one where uh, once you go through, if you accidentally go through the true route, you're done. If you accidentally do things a certain way, you can't get them back. So, mm -hmm. so do you mean you'd have to completely wipe your save file and start from zero? Yes, but um, certain visual novels like to hide where they put your save file. So it's not always a simple matter of go to the save folder and delete it. 
Mm. It's more like going to the registry and figuring out where the crap they put it because it's in <laughs> Japanese, first of all. And um, Well, I mean, you'd think it would be easy to find. It's the only thing in Japanese. It's not the only thing in Japanese because I have other games that are also in the registry. Oh, okay. And when you have three terabytes of visual novels... <laughs> Finding where it put the save files isn't always going to work. Whose fault is that, then? Them. For making... <laughs> for downloading all three terabytes onto your hard drive. Yes. Yeah. Um, for me. So I, I kind of think we covered the first two questions from that, um, that grouping. Um, so let's move on to the next one. Uh, what do modern or older games do that make you want to retire them? So I guess maybe we could each answer, like, what's what could a modern game do to turn you off versus what can a classic game do to turn you off? Okay. Um, and I guess... Uh, bah, bah, bah. I think one th big thing that can turn me off, especially with older games, is if the systems are just too complex, um, a lot of like old school RPGs and stuff will have this where, you know, the systems just have so many stats and variables that you have to keep track of that. I don't really want to put forth the effort to, you know, learn all of the systems and I'll just give up on them. Uh, what are hmm. your thoughts about that? I mean, for me, that comes back to what I said before about quality of life. I don't mind those systems being there if they're put there in a way that it's easy for you to interact with and get a sense of what you're doing. But the problem with a lot of older games, especially sort of NES and early SNES RPGs, is that a lot of those systems aren't particularly clear to you. And I think modern games do tend to do a better job of putting that in front of you and putting it in front of you in a way that's easy to interact with so I don't know maybe we're spoiled by <laughs> current games I yeah so. I mean like I don't play a lot of you know core JRPGs which I think still maintain some of that complexity but certainly like popular JRPGs and western RPGs don't have that sort of complexity for the most part I mean, I'd argue Western RPGs do, but again, everything that is factoring in is all very oblique. It's very... No, oblique is the wrong word. It's very obvious. It's very clear to you as the player. Yeah, I think that's... I think I agree with that. That's what I'm trying to say is, like... I mean, if you look at a game like Skyrim, I mean, all mm. of the stats that you need are very obvious and apparent to you, and they're all broken down into just, like, a couple of, you know, subsections. Yeah, ditto Mass Effect, and that probably goes mm. to what Toast was saying about knowing what choices sort of lead you where. Um, for me, the big one, and not many games do this anymore, is shitty driving sections. <laughs> it, I can't tell you how frustrating it is when you've got a a competent game for the most part and then maybe driving is a bad example but it gives you a shitty side thing that you have to plan through in order 
to progress. And some of my best games have done this. Ratchet and Clank 2, I think it is, has these hoverboard races that are just a bit balked. And you sort of have to plug through and complete them. And then some of the rewards are locked behind doing really well in those races. And that wasn't enough to kill it for me in that. But there have definitely been games where I'll get to one of these sections and it's just like I, the game isn't worth me persevering through this. Yeah, I feel like we see a lot of that in especially PlayStation 2 and like GameCube. Games from that era had lots of those sorts of shitty driving sections, especially in open world games. Mm. Um, the DS is awful for it as well in terms of, you know, here's this game that we cobbled together from Flash and it's on your touch screen. <laughs> Mm. I'm a little bit bitter as well. I bought, and this is a weird one, sort of from my childhood. My cousin had it and I never did. Do either of you remember Tuck? Tuck and the Power of Juju? That's the one. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. They did one of those on the DS. Very oh, no. Life cycle. No. They did. And <laughs> the running around bit isn't too bad, but they have driving sections. <laughs> And the cart controls like a shopping trolley missing a wheel <laughs> oh. being ridden on an ice rink. And I I gave the race three attempts and halfway through the third attempt I turned the DS off, I took the cartridge out, and that box went straight in the dustbin. <laughs> so I I can't even bring myself to try and sell it. It's not worth it. Alright, Toast, what can a classic game do to turn you a off? Classic. Okay, um, this isn't a hard and fast rule, but if most older games don't allow you to save, no, I I need to save. Um, That's what emulators are about, though. Yeah, I know, but if I'm actually playing it on the system... Touche. So, anything before Super Nintendo, I kind of have trouble with. Um... I know that I think the only game where I managed to, to like finish it when it didn't have saves was I think I played either Double Dragon or uh No, it was Ninja Gaiden. I finished Ninja Gaiden without the saving and that Ooh, like good killed for you. Me <laughs> I'm I'm very good at platformers. I mean Donkey Kong was like so I'm pretty good at platformers. Um I don't think I've ever beaten Ninja Gaiden. <laughs> It was, and it was, like, a casual thing. I was, like, at a doctor's office, and I was, like, just playing it, and I just happened to be there, and it just kind of happened to happen. <laughs> so I, I don't feel anything for it, but um, if, like, if they have you input codes to get back to where you were, I no, I don't want to do that. Yeah. I just want the save. I don't mind it as much nowadays because I can just like pull out my phone and take a picture and then I can just like type in the code from there. But like, I can't imagine having to, I mean, I can't imagine because I lived during that time, but like having to draw out the codes and stuff. Ah, that was awful. I just want to save whenever because sometimes I don't feel like finishing the level. Sometimes I don't feel like it. I just want to save and be <laughs> done with it because sometimes I want to play for five hours. Sometimes I want to play for five days. Uh, Moving on to modern games now. Yeah, go ahead since you're already talking. Oh, I, I need to think about it. I don't really know what modern games can do to 
maybe be shooters. If, okay. No, if they make me motion sick, I will quit it. If, That's if, a very good reason. With certain, like, for the most part, if they make me motion sick to the point where I either need to go to the hospital or I need to, um, like, my medicine's not working or my C-bands aren't working, then I need to stop playing them. And there's been lots of games where it's been wonderful to play them, but, like, going to the hospital is not worth playing video games for. So, like, Mirror's Edge, Portal, Uh, unfortunately, um, Spyro was, like, the worst. Spyro? Sent me to the emergency room. Oh my gosh, no. Yeah, and I, I just couldn't get, like, unsick. And I was, um, it's like uh, my boyfriend's childhood, so I was like, I'm gonna make it through this game. And I, I, I did, but it was not worth it. Oh, that stinks. Yeah. Is there, like, anything specific that triggers it? Are you able to, or is it just um, a... It's the... I don't know, but it just, it happens, and most games just make it happen. But hmm. for Spyro, it was because it was originally a flight test. They they took the, um, the technology for a flight simulator, and they implemented that into a game, which is why it makes so many people sick, and I know that I was one of them. Hmm. As in, in terms of the way the camera moves? Yeah, anything with the field of vision b- below about 100 makes me sick. Right. Um, that That's for sure. But then other things trigger it. Um, Nintendo usually doesn't. If I play anything by Nintendo, I tend not to get sick. Mm-hmm. Hmm. With the exception of Breath of the Wild to make me a little bit sick. Yeah, I suppose that's not a very Nintendo game by those standards, though. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> I don't even know why they don't make me sick. Hmm. Weird. Okay, what do modern games do that make you retired? Um, I don't know. I think I re- most of the modern games I retire are open world games that just don't grip me like early on. So I've had this. I say modern. I don't know if Watch Dogs is still considered modern. I mean, it was PlayStation Three, but I had that experience with. Watch Dogs, I had that experience with Dynasty Warriors 9, which I've already talked about. And I actually had that experience with Far Cry 5. Uh, I got that as a rental, and I'm glad I rented it instead of buying it. Because I think I played... How long did I play in it? Two and a half hours. And I don't know, I just... I'm not sure if I can pinpoint exactly why... Games like Breath of the Wild, you know, grip me, and Far Cry 5 just didn't. I don't know. People like to crap on the Ubisoft model of, you know, the world map with all of the collectibles listed on it and having to climb towers to open up parts of the map. I actually respond really well to that because on some level, like, the meta gamification of it is just inherently satisfying. Hmm. So, I don't know. I mean, when I played Far Cry 4, I really enjoyed that because I felt like I was constantly like upgrading things and improving things. Whereas in Far Cry 5, it really felt like, here's your playground, run around in it. And I, I don't know if I respond to that so much. I kind of need rewards. Yeah, so. I understand that. Would you say it's like a lack of clear objectives then? 
Sort of, yeah. I, then, I think I could feel that. But then Breath of the Wild probably has that trait as well. So. Sort of. But at the same time in Breath of the Wild, I mean, you constantly have shrines, you constantly have Koroks, and those things are always rewarding you at every single step. Uh, the armor was a big thing that kept me going, like upgrading it. That was uh-huh. like half of my reason for keeping going, because it was like, just get the better armor. There's so many armor to get. Mm-hmm. So that like kept me going long after anything else did. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I think I, I share your sentiment, Kurt, in terms of open worlds that are as wide as an open, but as deep as a puddle, as the saying goes. But for me, I think the bigger problem with those games tends to be if the traversal is quite boring. So mm-hmm. GTA is a good example of that. I've not liked any of the big 3D ones because I just get bored as how getting in a car and driving from place to place. But when I played Chinatown Wars on the PSP, something about that top-down driving, I really, really enjoyed. And I ended up beating that game, which I haven't done for any other GTA. Um, I suppose you could technically throw loot boxes in that category as well, but I don't think it counts as a retirement if I avoid buying it in the first place. So, (laughs) I don't know. All right. Uh, my timer's gonna go off in about 45 seconds, so I will preempt that. Um, Supreme Leader with his iron fist. <laughs> there was only one part that we didn't get to answer, which is, do you give games a second chance after retire- retiring them? And I think that we could easily answer that you know, pretty quickly. Um, mm-hmm. So I'll say that I don't often... Uh, give games second chances because I tend to just move on to the next thing and I rarely look back. Um, but like looking through my current retirements list, I can see things that I would go back to, like Odin Sphere. If I get the PS4 version, I'll probably try to play that one again. Uh, no one can stop Mr. Domino. If I can get my hands on another copy of that, I'll probably try to play that. Um, but yeah, I, I don't frequently go back. How about you guys? Pretty much the same as you, to be honest. It's one of those things where once I've committed to retiring it, I've sort of given up on it already. But there'll be a couple of times where I've given something a second crack, I'm sure, but rarely. I, it really depends on what game it is. If I trust the, the like, whatever, um, and, like, for what reason I retired it. Uh, if I retired it because it was garbage, probably not. But if I retired it because I didn't have time for it, that's different. Like, Monster uh-huh. Hunter, I retire those, and I will always have time for more Monster Hunter. Okay. Sounds legit. So, uh, now we can move on to talking about the current game of the month, which is 999, 9 hours, 9 persons, 9 doors. I feel like this is going to be a tricky conversation, because there's not much you can say without getting into spoiler territory, I feel. Um, You have to tread very carefully, for sure. Right. the, The whole game is sort of a spoiler. Yeah, in, in a sense. So... Yeah. I guess we'll all start just saying like what our familiarity is with the game and the series. So I think I played 999 for the first time back in high school. 
Um, got all the endings. Uh, had a great time with it. Uh, I remember like when Virtue's Last Reward came out that I didn't realize that there was going to be a sequel, and so I just didn't have it on my radar. Was very pleasantly surprised that it existed. Had a very complex relationship with that game. Have a pretty, not as complex, but still tricky uh, relationship with Zero Time Dilemma. And now I am replaying it for the first time, uh, 999. And I have gotten two of the endings. And mm-hmm. I am enjoying it again a lot. Uh, okay. Uh, I've, I've played the games before, um, and I've also played the other series, the, uh, oh crap, I, th- I think it's called the Infinity series, but it's like Ever 17, Never 7, and the other one that I can't remember that's not translated, so, and also doesn't have a fan translation, so I don't know if I played that one. That last one's got a mouthful of a name. <laughs> oh yeah! Oh, it's just a killer. Um, but I first played 999, I think, just before Virtue's Last Reward came out. Or wait, no, the the one before... Would that be Virtue's Last Reward? I'm not sure. But the, it would have been... The second one? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm not... I actually haven't finished the other two, because um, that dude's storytelling... <laughs> oh, jeez. Um... <clears throat> It's like a hot mess, if I'm being honest. It's, like, so fun to read, but then when you get down to, like, the nitty-gritty, you're like, maybe not so much. Um, But I played it right before the resurgence happened, where all of the copies immediately shot up in price. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I think that I started playing it because the special edition for Rich's Life Reward just came out. And I was like, huh, this looks interesting. So um, I tried to get the special edition, failed miserably, um, and then I just played 999, and I think I've replayed it twice since then, and I'm replaying it now, but I am so not far in it. I'm, like, <laughs> at the first selection of which room you want to go in, and the weirdest thing about it is you're locked out. I forgot that you were locked out of certain routes mm-hmm. the first time you go through the game. I didn't actually remember that at all. I think there's only one route that you cannot complete the first time through. But I, no, I, it's the true route. Yeah, th- so that's and the that... true route. And the other route, the other like special route, you have to do like some very specific things to get it. So, yes. Yeah. I know <laughs> that um, it's one of those things where it's like, I would not have figured it out on my own. If I didn't have a walkthrough, I'm not a I'm not a smart person. I don't think that way. I don't think l- weird and out of the box like that. Well, actually, I think it's he he writes things and like I'm going to be quirky, and then nobody gets them ever. So mm-hmm. I don't think that I would have gotten it if I didn't have a walkthrough. And Ninja Rick is all superior because he's like I probably figured it out because I'm the greatest. <laughs> so go ahead, Rick. Did you figure it out? Because you're the greatest. Go on, tell, tell, you tell them what I thought. You clearly know. <laughs> I, no, I, I definitely lent on the walkthroughs a little bit. Um, a little bit. Uh, yeah, a little bit. I'm gonna, I'm sticking with a little bit. So I first played 999 on an emulator. 
back in I want to say 2012 which is probably the best way to experience it because you can sort of speed up the agonisingly slow text scroll and in terms of quality of life things it does not let you read through the text much faster when you've already seen it can you actually because that is actually what's holding me back is it you can just speed up the emulation speed oh goodness because I, I might do that even though i have the game like three feet from me i might i might play it that way because it is just so unbearably slow and i yeah. read much faster than that it just needs to go faster the story really does make up for a lot of the mechanical quirks of the game so i played it on emulator in 2012 i then managed to get a physical copy in 2016 along with um Virtue's Last Reward and the then newly released Zero Time Dilemma and I replayed 999 that August I played Virtue's Last Reward that November and I played Zero Time Dilemma the January after so I played the trilogy again in a six month period and I think 999 of the three of them is probably the best in terms of its story it's also probably the weakest mechanically I I think I can agree with that uh, on some levels. It is tricky because there are some places where the gameplay improved and some places where the improvements were almost, like, worse for the narrative. So, like... What do you mean? Yeah, so, for example, um, in 999, uh, every time you restart the game to do a new route... You can, of course, speed through the text, sort of. Um, it doesn't go super fast unless you use, like, emulation speed up. Um, but that is... that it, it does make it difficult to do, like, uh, subsequent playthroughs because you can only skip so fast and there are certain chunks of dialogue that are just, like, slightly different so you'll still have to read through them all the way. It won't let you skip them because they're just slightly different. Mm. Uh, but you do have to start from the beginning. You have to replay all of the escape rooms when you get to them. And that's that's a pain. Whereas yeah. in the other games, you can literally jump to any point at any time that you've already completed. And you can just move forward from there. And I think that's a double-edged sword. Because, of course, so much of the Zero Escape series is these difficult decisions that you have to make and living with the consequences of those decisions and 999 to its credit after you make a decision you're locked into the decision and you have to see it through to the end unless you completely start over and it makes your decisions have more weight to them whereas in the other games considering you can just jump around at any any point you know you can say okay I'm just going to ally right now because I know that next time around I'm going to betray or vice versa. And of so, course the game does play with that a little bit. It, it does. Is... Yeah. To, to a very good extent story-wise, but like for the emotional angle of caring about the characters and stuff, it takes a little bit away. Hmm. I also don't know about you two, but on this play, it's been years since I played 999, and I am finding all of the puzzle rooms a breeze. I don't know about you guys. 
I've gone um, through one puzzle room so far. Fair, so, yeah. Uh... Yeah, I mean, the puzzles aren't overly difficult in 999. They, they're they set up in a way that they tell a lot of the story rather than being really intricately designed puzzles, which I think is probably better for the game because it keeps you engaged in the gameplay and in the story. But... I don't think there was anything to add. Yeah, I don't know. It's just it's been a little bit disappointing to me because maybe I was just a stupid kid, but I I think I struggled with them when I was younger. But now that you know I'm older and I'm playing through them, even though I don't remember the solutions, I can get to them pretty easily. Um, and then there are some where they just you know give you the solution like straight out, like um, yeah. There's, uh, I think it's in the captain's quarters, the uh, stopwatch puzzle. Um, I spent, you know, a, a pretty long time trying to figure out how to, like, change the hands on the stopwatch in order to solve the puzzle. And then I realized, oh, you just give it to Ace, and he does it for you. And that's the solution <laughs> to the puzzle. Yeah, but I can get behind that. I think that subverts your expectation that you're going to be the one that has to do every single little thing. From a story perspective, I can enjoy that, but from a gameplay perspective, I like to do my own things. Right, which I get, and I suppose this is one of those rare occasions where I sort of flip on my head in terms of what I expect, because this game really is more about the story. You know, if you're not really going into it for a compelling puzzle game I don't think and if you are you, you're you inevitably going to be a little bit disappointed because the the puzzles really are on the level of a flash game I mean, mechanically and in terms of the ideas that are contained within them so I think it it's right that they make that concession to serve the narrative go ahead Toast you were going to say something I remember that part taking me forever when I first played it, because I was like, oh, I just need to figure this out. I must be stupid. Uh, and I would not have come to that conclusion that I had to give it to somebody else if I hadn't looked it up, because I, I don't think like that. When I'm playing video games, it's like, you have to do it. But I don't know. I feel... No, I think 999 was more about the puzzles than the story. If it was just about the story, it could have been a visual novel. Mm-hmm. Well, because the, the puzzles make it the narrative better. I, if it was, because I, I don't know, if it was just a story, it could have just as easily, because he does visual novels. He could have made a visual novel. He didn't, though. Yeah, but the puzzles also, being careful Suck not to spoil ass. anything, the the way the story branches in some parts is connected to what you do or don't do in those puzzle rooms. And I don't think that would translate nearly as well if you were just making dialogue choices rather than organically finding things in those rooms. I know they did turn it into that on iOS, but I think it loses something as a result of that. I think if you play games on iOS, you should be taken out at sunset and shot. (laughs) Well... A game like that is probably one of the ones that would work better in that format. You can go somewhere far, far, far away. <laughs> wow. 
be alone with your terrible opinions. Go live on a mountain, Rick. Yes. Become a hermit. I'll take my iPhone with me. But, um, so, to talk on the idea of, like, subversion and stuff, I just, I don't think that it has a lot of room for that. I think that 999 as a series kind of had to play it straight for the most point. Um, Because I think of, like, I'm going to bring it up again, Danganronpa. So in Danganronpa 2, do you guys remember the, like, single escape room that was in Chapter 4, I believe? Um, Very briefly say some keywords about Chapter 4. Uh, Strawberry House. Oh, God. I, I mean, oh, oh that lovely um, pets, uh, like, the, the fair... Roller coaster. Uh, af- yeah. Uh, so, so uh, Hope Boy. Yeah. Hope, yeah, Hope Boy that Gun. Really that <laughs> so, was really terrible. Yeah. So anyway, I that single part where you are doing the escape room in that chapter, I actually enjoyed a lot because some of the puzzles in that room are so stupidly obtuse. And he will just give you the answers after you do them, after you, like, fail them enough times. And I actually think that is a successful subversion, because that's not an escape room series. So the fact that there is just a random escape room in the middle of it, yeah, of course they're going to play with it and be subversive, because it's Danganronpa. Whereas in Zero Escape, that's all about just giving you the escape room and the puzzle. And if it was going to subvert it, it would have to be either late stage in the game or later in the series, which I think they do, especially in Zero Time Dilemma. What's subversive about an escape puzzle room in the middle of a game and also one of the characters is a hint system? Are are you asking... Are you saying it is subversive or it is not subversive? I'm saying if it is subversive, I don't understand why it's subversive. So, I thought... Saying it was subversive was your argument, because you were saying that giving it to another character to solve the puzzle for you subverts it because it takes it away from having all of the power in your own hands. Is that not what you were saying? Sort of, but then I might be misremembering Danganronpa, but I thought you were saying in that if you fail the puzzle there enough times, then one of the characters will jump in and help you. I, I would call that hint system as opposed to the puzzle in 999, where giving the item to the character to do part of the puzzle for you is part of the steps to resolve okay. the puzzle. I, I see. So my response to that is that in Danganronpa, the fact is that you're playing as the character, and it's not that another character is giving you the hints. It's that the character that you're playing as thinks to himself, this is the solution to this puzzle. So it it creates this sort of distance between yourself and the character where like you're sitting there struggling so hard where all along the character that you've been playing as has the answer. I can't help but feel that you're trying to read too much into a hint system. <laughs> I <laughs> I, I would only agree with you there 
if it wasn't for the fact that the puzzle in Danganronpa is so stupidly obtuse. It is so ridiculous that they could not have expected, you know, a lay player to get that. Whereas with enough brute force trial and error in Zero Escape, most people can get through it. Maybe. I, I'm i struggling to remember the puzzles in Danganronpa, so it's hard for me to... They were just so terrible, they shouldn't have been in there at all. So I have no opinion of whether or not Mr. <laughs> Hope Man with the great laugh should have helped you because he shouldn't have even needed to. He shouldn't, it shouldn't be a thing. Um, so we are running out of time for this conversation, and I feel like we've only talked about the escape rooms. But does anybody else have anything they want to bring up? Because there's lots to talk about. Um, the story is stupid and nuts, and I love it. I... <laughs> it it's very typical for that writer. Yeah. I... a hot mess writer. Um, he writes the messes, and then he tries to write himself out of it, and doesn't always do so. I but think you know there what? is something admirable about that, though. What were you going to say, Rick? I was going to say I admire the mess. I don't like... So, in context, 999 is a sort of competent mess with some clear holes poking through. Virtue's Last Reward pokes as many new holes as it does patch old And then Zero Time Dilemma sort of tries to stitch everything together at the end. And I would have much preferred it if those holes had sort of been left for you to fill in the gaps with your own imagination. I think the writer did the story a great disservice by the shitty way he attempted to pull it all together at the end. I can try to explain it. Like, why Oh, no, I understood happened. it. I just thought it was shit. No, no, why that happened. It's uh, because throughout his career, at the very beginning, he had a lot of people... Um, once you become he's so well known now that he can do whatever he wants at the beginning it wasn't like that so his writing was actually better at the beginning because he had a lot more editing and a lot more people overseeing what he was putting out now he can do whatever and this is him <laughs> doing whatever and it's becoming more similar it's like jack kirby when he was allowed to do whatever he wanted it was absolutely awful and then when stanley's just like maybe don't do that it got better <laughs> Which is an argument that a lot of people level against Kojima as well. Uh, Kojima's um, brilliant, if, 100%, if you, and will never be wrong talk, ever. If you talk crap about Kojima, I'm going to come over there and hit you with a... I'm going to whack you with a cannoli, and that'll be the end of it, and you'll be dead. I feel like this is just the Abuse Rick podcast. <laughs> I express an opinion. You both tell me that I'm wrong stroke, awful stroke, an idiot. But, I mean, the thing about... The thing about Kojima is that he's, like, the antithesis. I mean, I feel like Metal Gear Solid, when he started out, was pretty sanitized and what Konami wanted from him. And then as he went on, he just stopped caring about it. And that's when things got more ridiculous and more holes started getting poked in, and it became the thing that we love because of how ridiculous it is. He can do no wrong. Exactly. That's my stance on the matter. No, I, I don't consider him to be the deity that you guys clearly do. And uh, Norman Reedus in the Funky Fetus is going to be the best thing ever. <laughs> hey, that rhymed in with it as well. I cannot wait for it. I am so excited. 
I feel like I won't be bothered enough to play it, but I'll be interested to read all the articles that spring up around it. It's going to be great. It's... Why? <laughs> There's like a baby in a pod giving you the thumbs up and they like regrow the person. It's just like... I am so excited because I love Guillermo del Toro and I was so excited for um, the uh, player trailer, the, the Silent Hill, and then it never mm-hmm. happened. And then this got announced and I was like, yes, I'm so excited. <laughs> and like, honestly, I just, I don't feel like there are enough AAA developers out there who take the kinds of risks that Kojima does. And, you know, I think that we need him and I think that we need more of him. I think that he should be cloned. And and those clones should take over lots of development teams. I don't know. I think a lot of people would argue that, oh, what's the name of the guy behind Nier Automata? I mean, that's barely AAA. I mean, that's like just on the edge of it. I'd argue that it's close enough to AAA to be AAA. Besides which, that's the, Yoko Taro, right? That's the one, yeah. yeah. But I mean, He's again, like... That. I mean, he doesn't even have a lot of output, you know, in that regard. I mean, I mean, it was just kind of a flash in the pan that Nier Automata was both beloved on the gameplay and the story side, whereas most of his previous games were beloved for their stories, but fell kind of short on the gameplay. Yeah, and you could argue that the Automata is a culmination of some of the things he tried in Nier and the stuff previous. In plot. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, since we're going to have to move on here, I just I just want to say that, like, again, I think I talked about last week how Earthbound shaped me a lot as a writer, and I think that 999, when I played it as a teenager, also shaped a lot of my writing. I think because the writer... I, I feel bad because I don't know their name. Um, do you... Ooh. Toast? It's cool if you Ooh. don't. We'll give him a shout out at some point. John Smith. <laughs> John Smith. I don't off him, but I can give you a link to all of his, like, to his company page. Sure. If you want, but so like, you can figure out all his other works. But what I admired so much about it as a teenager was just the way that he settled on a theme and he did all of this research. And even if half of the research was pseudoscience, yeah. even if half of the research was pseudoscience, it's still cool just to think about. Um, I mean, like just learning about like the half of the things that are true and the half of the things that aren't true and having to like piece together where it's real and what where it's not. That was a lot of fun for me as a kid. And even like now looking through some of the stuff and piecing it back together, it's still a lot of fun. Um, and that's like something that I try to emulate a lot in my own writing is I try to find, you know, connections around a theme that people might not necessarily know, but that enhance their understanding when they do. So that's all I wanted I to throw it, out. Uh, Nakazawa Takumi, but I'm not entirely certain. Okay. I think it is. But he, he has done a lot of stuff. I mentioned earlier Io. He's also done that one, which is great. If if you can get if you don't get the true route your first time. Mm-hmm.
Now prepare your ear holes. We've got a jazzy rendition of the Metal Gear Solid main theme called Solid Snake Cigarette Break. This is by Alexander Bornstein, courtesy of ocremix.org. Okay, guys, so we're going to move on yet again. I'm glad that I've been able to catch the timer <laughs> these times. But uh, what was next? Was it recently be currently playing? That's the one. Cool. Um, I feel like I'll go first. This is going to be pretty short for me. Um, I don't know if I've beaten anything in the past two weeks. That's kind of sad. Um, I <laughs> 
<laughs> I actually didn't open up my completions before I checked. Date completed. Um, I beat Detective Pikachu. I don't know if Ooh. I mentioned that before, but yeah, I beat it. Um, my opinions on it are mostly the same as they were before. It is just an extravagant slop, and I love it, and I want them to make it even stupider when they take it forward. Get Danny DeVito Nintendo. You know what you need to do. do um, currently playing is kind of what I've been playing for the past couple of weeks. So 999, a uh, little bit of Fire Emblem Warriors. Um, I still have Ace Attorney, Xenoblade Chronicles, Dragon Ball Fighters, and Breath of the Wild, but I haven't really touched those recently. Um, I think the only thing since I've... That's pretty much all I have to say. But I will throw out that I am going to be getting a rental of God of War, the new one, pretty soon through Gamefly, hopefully as long as they send it to me. And I'm very much looking forward to that. I loved those... I loved the original trilogy um, when I played them in high school. And I... I am a little worried that this seems to be going in more of a Last of Us sort of direction. Not that there's anything wrong with Last of Us, Rick, but I'm not sure if I really want that from God of War. So I just I just hope that the fun arcadey swinging swords around thing is is retained. But yeah. I feel like between Daddy of War and Spider-Man I'm going to have to get a PS4 or something. <laughs> when does Spider-Man come out? Soon, I hope. Does it? Oh, I'm man. pretty sure it's close. And let me double check because I, I saw something about it the other day. Um, do you want to talk about what you guys have been playing while I ask my friend Google? I already talked about what I've been playing. Oh, okay. I guess it's on me then. That um, means one. I. I know I said I wouldn't really talk about visual novels that I'm playing, but I haven't really been playing much else, so I might have to. Um, so I finished uh, an original English language visual novel recently, um, and I hate them usually. And I, <laughs> this one was no exception. It, was, it absolutely sucked. It was uh, called Haleen, and it was just one of the most god-awful things I've ever read. I, it took me an hour, and that's an hour I'm never going to get back. Dang. <laughs> I have nothing but awful things to say about that game. Keep saying awful things away. about it. You have time. It, Close her out. Uh, well, it's... I think... I'm not going to say English writers are bad, but I think <laughs> that they don't... They don't know the visual novel medium very well, and when they do, it's usually people with low budget who don't know what they're doing, who just want to make a project and then get cheap money. That's not what this is, and I think that that's what people view it as. And mm -hmm. it, they just expect you to pay for this really crappy product that they made in their bedroom at like 3 a.m. in the morning. How do you and, feel about Doki Doki Literature Club? I I don't hate it. And as a free product, I don't think it's bad. Story-wise, I don't think it's bad. Um, I don't know how much money I would be willing to pay for it. Probably mm -hmm. about 
is is what I, I view it as. Um, I think it's it's more more than just the game now though. When you think about Doki Doki, it's now more about the community and the fan base than the game it, itself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a worthwhile experience. I don't particularly. I can't say that. Oh, it's such a great game because I don't necessarily think it is. But I don't. I don't think it's a waste of time, and I don't think it was a waste of resources or money. And it's free, and it takes two <laughs> hours. And Sayori is best girl. Oh, that that is so true. So um, true. But yeah, I, I'm glad to hear you say some of that because I felt like I was missing out on something because I didn't like it as much as other people did. I think I kind of had the same reaction to it that you did about uh, her story, where, like, uh, to a lot of people, this was like a totally new, crazy thing. But to me, uh-huh. like, I've I've seen that sort of thing before, so it wasn't as impressive, but it was still well done. I'm not going to bash people for enjoying it, though, because I know that when I read my first visual novel, which is what this was to so many people, that it really was like life changing. So for a lot of people, that's what this game is. So I'm not going to say, oh, you have trash taste because they haven't developed their taste yet. They don't know because they haven't. So hopefully this this will bring in more people who are just reading and understanding and looking into things. Yeah. And for anybody who likes Doki Doki Literature Club and the sort of ways that it plays with those sorts of things, then I think that... say no Uta. <laughs> oh my gosh. Do it without the H scenes, please. Oh, Euphoria. That'd be great. <laughs> oh god. That's a thought. Talking about free visual novels, what were your thoughts on Katawa Shoujo? If I oh. even pronounce that slightly right. Oh, K- Katawa Shoujo. Um... That is an, another one where it's a lot of people's first visual novel. Um, substantially better than Doki Doki. Um, raises awareness on a lot of things. Um, obviously, I'm going to talk about the, the deaf protagonist. Um, she was actually my least favorite route. <laughs> um, and But they were actually using real sign language, not American sign language, but they were using Japanese sign languages. So that was a little bit interesting. I don't know too much Japanese sign language. I just know that the sign for American is our sign for crazy. So it's like <laughs> this, which like is that. which is pretty cool. That's like the only Japanese sign language I know. But she was actually the weakest route. And um, the one, like Rin's route, is actually incredibly well done. Is Rin but, the one with the prosthetic leg? Because I think that's the only route I played. Oh, uh, that's Emmy. Uh, Rin is the one with no arms, and she's the artist. Yes. She she is actually a very strong route. She, I mean, she, Katao Shoujo is not, like, the greatest visual novel ever written, but it was a labor of love for a lot of people, and I think it shows. Um, you, you can read better stuff, but for free and for, like, your first visual novel, you can't go wrong with that. It's, it's, mm. it, it's heartfelt. It's a weird history piece, too, because it sort of came out of 4chan. Yeah. If I remember oh, right. Like a group of people just started making it. It took five years. The most wholesome thing to ever come from that part of the internet. Yeah, and now it's free for everyone. And if you haven't played it, maybe you should. Um, I highly recommend Rin's Route. It's so good. But um, I, I can't remember the Death Girl's 
name, but her route was actually like the worst one. <laughs> and you've just reminded me, now is the time for this episode's instalment of Recommends. No, no, I'm not even done talking about the <laughs> I've you introduced it now. Just give me my 30 seconds and then you can jump straight back in. See? <laughs> Fine. You'll never Take know when recommending is going to happen. 30 seconds. So, this time, we're going to take another sideward step and we're going to go to Netflix. And if you haven't already, Black Mirror. Oh, what if scenarios with technology you want to? This is a good one. There we are. They're all good ones. What are you talking about? Well, no, that's a good series, but your other recommendations, I don't know. <laughs> I won't hear that rubbish. They've just renewed it for a fifth season, so now is the time to go back and watch the previous four. They're all on Netflix. I if thought I they were only on the third season. I am so behind. Oh, the the new ones are really, really good. If I was going to recommend one for you to start with and give it a crack, I would either recommend... Um, I'm trying to remember the names of the episodes. One from the very first series, I think it's called like Everything of You or Every Moment of You, uh, which is like, what if we had chips in our brain, which recorded everything that we saw and heard, and you could recall those memories at will. And there's one from the third series about artificial intelligence, not artificial intelligence, sorry, augmented reality. Um, it's got like a bearded guy, looks a bit like a hippie in the thumbnail. That one's another really good one to watch. You carry on, Toast. I'm done. Yeah, your 30 seconds are over. Whatever you do, whatever you do, don't start with the pig episode. Oh, I love the pig episode. It's a great episode, but it is unlike every other episode in the series. It's definitely probably enough to put you off. Yeah. Also, Rick, can I put forward a motion that if we're continuing this this little snippet in every episode, can we call it recommendations okay yeah okay yeah i want my own segment now hey you gotta <laughs> come up with a good pun and you're welcome to it uh toast po- porn corner uh a hard veto that on that places very quickly no <laughs> why, why is that the first thing that would jump to your mind i am using Where's my executive body? privilege <laughs> <laughs> sending that right back to congress <laughs> okay, so Haleen was really, really bad, and I'm also playing, well, obviously 999. Um, I'm replaying Ji Sanjano now, which is actually like my third favorite visual novel. I absolutely love Ji Sanjano now. Um, and then I'm playing Kira Kira for the first time, and I usually ignore um, Overdrive visual novels like The Plague because of the the accursed monkey ears. I just can't take them seriously. Is Overdrive but, one of the studios? Yeah, it's a, a studio that usually it focuses in on a lot of Chunibyo heroes, but um, they like to do music visual novels where Kira Kira is about um, uh, the punk scene. So it has a lot of like these people made like a punk band and it, ha- it goes into the history of a lot of punk and like um, that sounds right up my alley it's fun you have to the translation could be better but it is i like it i'm liking it a lot it's the first overdrive visual map i've really really liked and it goes into like a lot of the history of like the sex pistols and like a lot of english punk i'm sold (laughs) yeah it's it's really good um it's a long one too so it's like 
there's a lot of really good character depth that comes out of it. And it's just, it's like a blast to read because it's like a road trip visual novel where they go on and they're going on tour and they're <laughs> like sleeping in vans and sleazy and like drinking and partying. And it's so fun to read. And mm. Rick's falling asleep. I don't know what you're talking about. Because he's a piece of poop. <laughs> hey. But um, while you're at it, play Jisun Jano Mao. It's, it's, that one's really good too. I've got to finish with University Deadline Simulator first. Well, not you. You don't read anything. <laughs> Keep yourself ignorant and illiterate. Yeah. <laughs> Keep myself non-weeby. <laughs> Man. Um, I think that's all I've been really reading slash playing. Fair enough. So that just leaves me then, doesn't it? So yeah. University Deadline Simulator. Still going. I've cleared a lot of the side quests. There is one that I'm playing on a regular basis that I'm farming for gold. But with that exception, I'm trying to power through the main quest line. Um, the the in-game time limit is growing ever shorter. But I think there's enough time to complete all of the objectives. So we will see. Be sure to tune in next week and I'll inform you how that game's progressing. Because it's totally a game. Or is it? I don't know. <laughs> In my real-life yeah. university deadline simulator, I have already procrastinated far beyond my own deadlines, so I, I have failed at the game. Oh, no. <laughs> Where's the restart button on this? <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure you want to erase your progress? What progress? So, <laughs> goddamn. In terms of games, I'm like you, if I haven't played all that much um, I did play this free PC game called All Our Asias which is by the guy who did Anodyne and it's this hour long sort of ode to PS1 era graphics which came across very very preachy to me I didn't really enjoy it the only reason I stuck through it is because I knew it was an hour long and I was just like I've started it, I feel like I can finish it it's not too much of an ask um, and then other than that there are two games that I talked about in the past that I've finished so the first of those is Warrior Land 2 really good you can play it on your phone, you can play it on just about anything that will do anything, I'm sure you could run it on some toasters at this point <laughs> and it is really good so I'd highly recommend that one the other game that I've beaten and I want to talk to you about this a bit, Kerf, because I didn't realise you've retired it, is Odin Sphere. Mm-hmm. And I really, really, really loved Odin Sphere. I ended up, on balance, liking it slightly less than Muramasa, which isn't how I felt at the beginning. And the reason for that is that I feel like Odin Sphere is much more exploitable. Mm-hmm. So the potions and the healing items and the somewhat spammable skills that you have, along with your increased ability to sort of evade halfway around a map and and zone out a bit more, made it very easy to cheese. Certainly by the time I was on character number three, I'd started to find strategies to make fights far more easy than they ought to have been. Whereas with Muramasa, because you could only ever have three blades, and because your success was highly dependent on you juggling them and maintaining their energy levels, 
while pulling off combos and defending yourself and leaving enough room and energy to use your guard as well. I felt like that was a much tighter experience. I felt like Mm -hmm. it required more skill from me. And that's the only real differentiator because the story in both is quite good. The art in both is phenomenal. And they both give you a variety of perspectives, particularly with the DLC that comes with Muramasa, the game Roku Legends, which I actually maybe enjoyed slightly more than the main campaign. I quite like being able to dip in and out for three hours and have a complete little story. But I loved Odin Sphere. Why did you retire it, Kurt? What what brought you back from it? Because uh, he has a wife. <laughs> well. Thank you, Toast. Having my back, my right to die over here. As you can see, members of the audience, the the teams have been set up. <laughs> and I've been given the handicap because I am clearly the best and therefore I have to fight for myself. We'll just bring on a fourth host at some point who is as trash as you are. And... Yeah, so you have to get the like the giant like the troll who's just like <laughs> we'll, we'll get we'll get Barky on. <laughs> Then he'll be your best friend. <laughs> oh, I I want nothing more. <laughs> um. So yeah, I retired Odin Sphere kind of because of what I told you guys about. Mostly the lack of a dodge button on the PlayStation Two version makes it very painful to play. Um. I imagine actually. Yeah. To be fair, I didn't use the dodge that much. I, I all the time. I found myself much more often. Because most characters have something on the skill tree that lets you do more damage from behind. So I would use the the hold down square um, and use a direction sort of forward dash attack to dash through the enemy or use one of their skills to do the same, attack them from the back. And when they turn around, do the same again. So I rarely found myself using a dodge because I'd normally be behind the enemy by the time they struck. I the think... game was just so easy, though, that like I would just dodge and like kill them. It's very easy to cheese. I think for me, I just... I... I have very bad reaction time, first of all. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned that before, but I have very bad reaction time. So, like, having to block, having to, like, use the block button is very difficult for me, like, in any video game. Because blocking Mm -hmm. is so timing intensive. And normally you have to, like, time right at the right moment so you can get, like, a just block or something. So I much prefer games where I can just dodge instead because even if I'm like a little bit late or if I hit the or a little too early at least I'm away from the danger so then I can like get a sense of how I can you know go about things from there. Yeah, I guess the iframes are a bit more forgiving. I understand that, not because I'm, like, bad at reaction time, but I'm a very small person in real life, so I have the, not the fight, but I have the flight response, so anytime I can get out, because, you know, like, I'm not going to take a punch in real life, so I'm not going to take a punch in a video game, so I just, I instinctually dodge, even in video games. That's like a, that's a very psychological reason, I dig it. Well, it's like, um, you search for a more advantageous, uh, oh my goodness, ad- advantageous, uh, position. And, um, I tend to do that in video games, because 
I tend to freak out, like have a little mini freak out, don't want to get hit, and then go in for the kill. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah, like that probably seems like a really petty reason, but that's mostly why I gave up on the game. Is Literally because, like, because no dodge button. I would just much rather play the PS4 version to have access to a dodge button. It'll be that much prettier as well. Sorry? Or the Vita version. Sadly, I, I don't have a Vita. Oh, oh really? <laughs> Get I, I wouldn't, because their memory cards are garbage, and they are poor. I mean, if you're already buying physical games, you can get away with an 8 gig. No. You can't. You patently can't. An 8 gig is still expensive for what it is, but 10, 15 pounds or dollars or whatever is reasonably good. Rick, do you have anything else to say? Because you have four seconds to say it. Buy a Vita. (laughs) And there you go. And watch Black Mirror. There we go. All right, so that is our timer for that section. So we're going to go ahead and move on to talking about the questions from the forums. And I think I'll set a 15-minute timer for this one because I don't think, at least my question's not going to take very long. Um, The question that I picked out for today was from, uh, I just had it a second ago and I lost it. It is Screaming Shadow who asked, what is the origin to your username? So I imagine all of us have a good story for this. Um, no, I'm going to have to disappoint you. All right, well, you go first. No, you go first it. and let us down. I literally was an edgy teenager. I thought it sounded very cool, and now I'm stuck with it. <laughs> Did you watch Naruto as a teenager? <laughs> I've never watched Naruto. <laughs> I probably literally... for the best. I've never even had that much of an interest in ninjas. I couldn't possibly tell you where it's come. I just thought it was a smart thing at the time. In an alternate universe, you're probably Pirate Rick. In an alternate universe, I am the character from Tenchi personified. (laughs) That's what's going on. It's a a past life manifesting itself. Alright, so that's Rick's boring story. Amen. Okay, are you going to go now? Sure, I might as well. So, the reason for my name is weird, because I, I've i had, like, hundreds of nicknames from various different people in my life, and it's because, for some reason, people just can't say my name, and it's not a difficult name. My name is... my my. Legal first name is Christian. Christian, isn't it? Yeah, I don't go by that anymore. I go by Michael, but still, like, uh, it's my middle. It's my middle name. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, my name's Christian. It's not difficult to say, but like, my uh, my cousins when we were like very little, they couldn't pronounce it, so they would call me Kissy instead of Christian. <laughs> um, my young, my actually my. She's not the oldest. One of my nieces couldn't pronounce my name, so she abbreviated it to the very unfortunate Kaka. I've had friends... uh, I had a teacher in high school who couldn't pronounce it, so he called me Kimmy. I don't don't know. Um, Anyway, so the, the ultimate of this was my older brother's wife 
who was his girlfriend at the time, um, was moving out of her house and moving to another place. So she asked my brother and I to help her move her stuff. So, uh, so I go over and we're packing all of her boxes into the truck and whatever. And her very drunk dad comes walking out of the house and says, Hey, is, is that Kerf Murph over there? And I nearly dropped the box because, like, what even? <laughs> like, at that point, I've been called so many things, and some of them, like, at least have similar vowels and similar consonants <laughs> in place. But then you get to Kerf space Murph. And there is just, there is... <laughs> I think it literally shares a single letter. <laughs> <laughs> There's no rhyme or reason. No. But that's nice, though. There's, there aren't many people on the internet who can blame a drunk man for their using it. Right? <laughs> my brother's wife's drunk dad gave me my internet username. Little did he know the trouble he would cause. <laughs> anyway, Ultimate Zombie Toast. I am very excited to hear about this. It's got to be a good story now. It's a tough act to follow. I know. It's, it's really... Uh, I was, I think, 11. And at the time, I think it was Otaku USA or Anime Insider or something like that. They had these plushies and they were zombie toast. Or no, uh, they were ninja toast. And I was just like, holy crap, I want one. And um, so later that day, I had to create an account for, I think it was like, I, I don't know. I don't want to say, honestly. But Come on, you got to gotta out yourself. Or I guess you don't it, have well, to. That's unfair. At that time, it, Gaia was really, really popular. Gaia? So <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> And it was really popular. I'm very normie. What was Gaia Online? It was an American thing where it was this really shitty, like, anime site where people (laughs) made friends. So it was uh, a Weebie forum? Yes, yeah, it was. Well, it it doesn't really exist anymore, and, like, ugh. But I needed to come up with a name, and I really, really, really liked Toast, like, homemade Toast. So I was just like, and I liked zombies, and at the time, uh, I don't know, there was, I think I either was playing Lollipop Chainsaw had just come out or something like that, and... Good game. I wanted to be the best, so I was the ultimate zombie toad. (laughs) I dig it. I I use also Puggle Dwarf, but... Puggle Dwarf? That's adorable. That's another one I can imagine a drunk person coming out with. Hey, hey, Puggle Dwarf. No, that one I made in frustration because Nintendo's, all of their things were, um, like, they would, the password would not let me be anyone. The username was all taken. So I'm like, I'm going to be motherfucking Puggle Dwarf. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So who wants to do their next question? Go on then, I'll jump in. So, my question is from esteemed forum member Ninjaric. Who... Oh, that, I hate that guy. He sucks. Yeah, I mean, he sucks. Well, well, we'll agree to disagree. Uh, <laughs> I've been waiting for question. him to get banned for years. <laughs> I think you'll be waiting for a while. So, 
I posted this question before I realised I was going to be the host, but I think it's still a good <laughs> one. And it is, what game do you wish you hadn't completed? And really, I should have prepared a better answer for this, for myself. But I'm just going to quickly jump into my retired list. Not my retired list, might be... Ah, that's one. Howling Dogs. Which is like this shitty twine game that <laughs> my friend had convinced me was actually well worth my time, and it was not. Even a little bit. It made no sense. Toast okay. calling a fake. I, d- I don't have an answer to this one, unless... Uh... Unless you you count you not wanting to have played it, so you don't have a memory of it, so that you can go and replay it. And See, that's almost how I'm interpreting it because I have those kinds of games for sure. Yeah, I have tons where it's like I want to I want to be young again, and I want to go through it without bias, and I want to experience the joy that comes with this game. I was definitely not that wholesome when I wrote the question. But, uh... <laughs> that's because you're a piece of poop person. Hey. You should feel bad. If I feel bad, it's because you're making me, and therefore you should feel. I feel a little bit bad, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) It's working. uh, Am I allowed to interpret it that way? Yeah, do you want? I would maybe want to... Like, the... Any of the Zelda games, maybe. Like, I don't know about Wind Waker because I don't think I would like it as much if I hadn't played it in my childhood and mm. just like loved it so much because it's like a safe space for me but like maybe Twilight Princess would be nice to see with new eyes because it's like mm-hmm. my second favorite Zelda game so mm. I think that that one could drastically change my opinion of it now that I'm an adult okay that is legit. Maybe that one. Uh, this is hard for me. I know it is, yeah. Um, I keep like going back and forth between my 10 out of 10s and my like 1 out of 10s. Do both then. Answer the wholesome version of the question and the shitty version. Okay. The wholesome version and then the shitty version. Um, bu- 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 bum. wish that I'd never played because it... I'll start with wish I'd never played because it was bad. I feel like that's probably easier and more to the heart of things. Um, I'm going to go with... Uh, it's Woodle Tree 2 Worlds. And it's just a super generic 3D platformer that was released on Steam a couple of years ago. I only played it because I got a review key for it from whatever site I was writing for at the time. And I just felt like I was compelled to complete it because, you know, I had to review it. Um, actually, I'm going to give two for this answer. So there's that one and another one called, I think, The Butterfly Sign. And that was also a game that I played just because I had to review it, and I could barely get it to run. It was way too expensive for how short it was. Anyway, both of those games, very, very bad. Got nothing out of them. Unhappy. Now I get to be wholesome. And for that... 
There are a couple I could say for this one. I might choose Portal 2, just mm. because that... I mean, nowadays it's not one of my, like, top 10. It, it, it would maybe cut the top 20. But, like, in the time that I played it, it was the most incredible, life-changing, exhilarating things. It was just a non-stop race to the finish. It was so funny. It was so poignant. Uh, the pacing of the storytelling, the characters, and that final, that final room where you have to shoot a portal into space. Spoilers. Yeah. Spoilers. I, I'm not going to say what you shoot it at, but when you shoot that final portal, I was, I was like in tears, not because it was like sad or emotional, but I was just awestruck by what I was capable of in this video game in that moment. And I have never had an experience that has quite matched that. And there was no experience before that that I felt I had done something similar. So if I could erase that and start over fresh again, that would be it. That's a good choice. Hmm. Um, I found my, I don't want to, like, the, the negative. Oh, I boy. About what I would choose. Um, it's not like a title that you guys would have heard of, but um, either Dust Mania Grotesque or Starless, I would erase those from my brain. <laughs> I definitely would. They, they, they don't deserve to be there. They don't exert, deserve to exist. And if you go and play them thinking you can handle it, you can't handle it. Don't, don't play it. I'm not joking. <laughs> Why don't they deserve to exist? Um... Somebody just decided to put everything that's wrong with the world into a video game to try and, like, I don't know why it exists. I, I really don't, but there's lots of people online who are like, see how far you can make it in this game. And I played it, and, like, I had to mentally detox for, like, a few months. Oh, God. <laughs> it's really bad. Don't, don't. See, that just makes me want to give it a go. No, like, I'm not joking. It's, it's, it's not a good idea. No, me neither. I mean... <laughs> you do you, friend. I will. And part of that is finishing on my holes, just to round out this question. Yes. Which would be Ghost Trick. Oh, yeah. Because, as I think I've mentioned before, I sort of half-ruined that story for myself by accidentally reading a forum post and... Typical me putting two and two together and ruining the twist. So I'd like to have the chance to play and experience it without having a vague idea of how it was going to blend. Yeah, I, I think that's good. The ending is so... That's one of the best endings <laughs> in a video game ever. It's a superb game. We we are the ghost trick appreciation for podcasts. Well, we're we're really the Danganronpa Appreciation Podcast, but uh, subtitled also Ghost Trick. All right, so I think is it your question, Toast? I think so. And I did Pokey Paws. What is a game, uh, like a J Japanese only game that you wish to be localized? Um. There is lots of answers for me, but um, I think the big ones are Mother 3, Happy Meyer, and um, crap. They, 
I forgot the last one, but I guess those ones are like the big two for me. I, for a while, it was DS, uh, DSRI, ERI, um, but that one got localized this year, so it's good. Woo! Hmm. Uh, my answer for this question, I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give two actually to be basic. Um, one is Captain Rainbow. I don't know if either of you have ever heard of that. I've heard of it. Okay, so I'll. Yeah, it, it's. I don't actually know like what the gameplay really is because I have tried not to watch videos on YouTube because I want to experience it fresh. But all of the sh like screenshots of it just look ridiculous and like so much fun and so quirky and absurd. Oh my god! I think I'm Birdo's curious. in it, and yes, <laughs> there's it's... something weird going on with Birdo. Um, wow! Well, as if there wasn't already. <laughs> that, that, you know, so though fair. that Japanese is very simple. If you wanted to read that, you probably could. It looks like very simple Japanese. Okay. It's almost all hiragana, so I think that that's doable. You could honestly, if you wanted to get a hold of a copy, I think, I believe in you, you could read it. I bet there's a fan translation somewhere. That I bet you could load that into Dolphin. And if it. it is that easy, somebody could translate that. That It's using very, very simple Japanese. Yeah, well, I, I feel empowered by your faith in me. Yeah, um, I think you could do it. You have a strong grasp of languages. I think that you could go for it. Yeah. I might do that. Um, the other one is actually, it's a grouping of games. So it is, um, it is Miles Edgeworth Investigations 2. Um, even though that has an excellent fan translation, I would like it to get an official translation someday just to have it as part of the Ace Attorney collections. But more importantly, uh, the great... I think it's great Ace Attorney series. Um, the like Sherlock Holmes Victorian England spin-off of Ace Attorney where Sherlock Holmes is involved and it just looks like silly good fun and I love Ace Attorney and I'm always sad when there aren't more Ace Attorney games to play. So if I could just like one day wake up to having two more to play, that would honestly make my year. <laughs> hmm. See, I'm racking my brain trying to think of Japanese games that didn't get released here that I want to play. And I can only actually think of two. The first, and this is sort of a technical one, is Princess Crown. Yes. Because there is a translation, but it's a shitty guide that you sort of have to follow along while you're playing the original game in Japanese. On um, Wayback you... Machine. Oh. oh. It's it's on Wayback Machine. It even got taken down. That's a screenshot of, like... So it's really bad. It's, yeah, it's about as far away as you can get from an official translation while still being vaguely playable. And the other one is Grand Knight's History, which was another vanilla... Or another George Kamatani game. Uh, ended up sort of being copied in what is now Grand King. But that doesn't have the beautiful art that Grand Knight's history did. So that was a for those of the audience who don't... I mean, do either of you know about that game? No. It sounds very familiar, but I, I can't say yes. So it's a, 
a turn-based RPG, but on a big world map type system. And you move your chess piece around the map and you're building these characters up for one of three factions to fight in the quote-unquote online war. And so you build up these teams and groups and it's got this really cool turn-based battle system that's based around um, shared action points amongst your team and positioning. It's a little bit, if you were to compare it, it's a little bit like the battle system in Radiant Historian where your placement <laughs> in terms of the art... <laughs> well, in the sense that you have their grid and your grid and where you're positioned impacts what attacks you can do and how they'll hit. Oh, come on. I Don't pull that story, yeah. I've yet to play it. I'm really excited to play it. I Would you not? You know? <laughs> I'm not saying anything. I'm not going to ruin it. I can't stop my face from making faces when I feel things that <laughs> you say. I'm not saying That's anything. That's the quote of this podcast. <laughs> podcast episode I can't... five. I can't stop my face from making faces when I feel things. <laughs> That sounds like a. That sounds like the name of an indie band's album or something. <laughs> I can't stop my face from making faces. It sounds like the subheading for Metal Gear Solid Six. No, it's it, so less silly than the Phantom Pain. I'm sorry. <laughs> I feel like uh, it. It would be even more out there. Whatever. What would sorry? Huh? What would sorry? The the subtitle for Metal Gear Solid Six. It would be even more out there. Hmm. Okay. Bonus question. You're giving Metal Gear Solid Six the subtitle. <laughs> give it. Oh gosh. Okay. Well, let's think about the subtitles we've had so far in the Metal Gear Solid series. I actually have to Google this to remember them all. I don't know if MGS1 had one. Well, I mean, it had tactical espionage espionage action. action. I was going to say whether you count that. Um, I sort of would. Um, But then, like, there was also the GameCube re-release that was called The Twin Snakes. Snakes. Um, Then you have Sons Sons of of Liberty, Guns of the Patriots, my personal favorite... Metal Gear Rising Revengeance. Mm-hmm. Um, Snake uh, Eater. Snake Eater, right. Um, Ground Zeroes. Phantom Pain. And because it rhymes and it shares a theme, I think my Metal Gear 6 subtitle would be Snakes on a Plane. <laughs> um, let's see. I love that. And Metal Gear is set entirely on, like, a big airplane. <laughs> That would be Didn't an they interesting kind of have that in Super Smash Bros, where like Snake was on like the airship for most of the adventure mode. <laughs> yeah, actually, <laughs> yeah, Snake has in Snake fact Snake already Snake. been on a plane. Uh, let's see the subtitle. It would have like Divergent in there somewhere. It would be like Metal Gear Solid Six Divergent. Snakes. No, not snakes. They wouldn't go with snakes this time. Uh, it would be something... It would be something... 
It would be like a weird scientific word. Uh, like divergent putrefaction or something. See, I can picture that on. Like, that the sounds like a porn title. <laughs> what have you been watching? <laughs> it's called divergent putrefaction. Or no, <laughs> no, I've got it. Leave me alone. Is this like the first episode of Toast's Porn? <laughs> Sorry, Kev, you're gonna say something. Actually, I had something, but then I lost it. Oh, god damn it! Sorry. It's your fault. It's not mine. Blame Rick. <laughs> no, don't blame me. I don't have bloody out there porn taste. What about you, Toast? What would you come up with for the subtitle? Oh, don't make me. I'm not entirely too familiar with uh, Metal Gear Solid. I wasn't allowed to play it when I was younger. <laughs> hey, it was rated M for Mature. Yes, it was. All right, I've got it. Vat... <laughs> oh, God. Vaticination of the apostate. <laughs> that sounds like a New Testament, but... <laughs> Jeez. Or like m- more more generically, apostasy. Metal Gear Solid Six apostasy. Hmm. I'm trying to think whether there are like subtitles from other games that you could justifiably fit onto a Metal Gear game. Well, I mean, technically, <laughs> technically, Phantom Pain was the subtitle for uh, what was it? What's it called? Vagrant Story. Is that what it's called? That is a game. Yeah, yeah. I think they have like, that subtitle. So yeah, in the in the credits of that game, when it gets to the end, it has like it says the name of the game, and then I think it says the Phantom Pain. And for a while, people actually thought that Phantom Pain was somehow related to Vagrant Story because of this the same title there. Oh yeah, back before we knew it was Metal Gear Solid and. Yeah, back. <laughs> yeah. How can you not think Kojima is a god when he pulled that stunt? Entirely. Joaquin Mogren. Pull that stunt. Who does that? A brilliant Joaquin. mind. I have got a new subtitle: Metal Gear Solid Six: The War of the Lines. <laughs> do you have any? Do you have any ideas, Toast? Throw one last no. one out. No. Okay. Okay. We can't end on that. That's so pretty- we're actually not going to end on that because I remembered something as we were in the middle of recording, which is this is the episode where we were going to say what we were going to uh, put up for the next game of the month, uh, our nominations basically, because we we haven't been doing that, and this is this is our time down here. Okay. So well, I don't think any of us prepared for this, which is going to ultimately make it even more fun. Yeah, yeah I no, mean... I have no idea. I think this time I'm going to nominate Grow Home. Okay. Ooh, I have that as a VR title, but it makes me so, so sick. <laughs> if you get that motion sick, VR strikes me as something that wasn't a smart purchase. I, well, I didn't buy it. Nick did. Oh, touche. Touche. 
But yeah, it's short. It's been sat on my hard drive for about a year. It looks pretty fun. That's about it. Radical. You next? Sure. I didn't prepare for this either, so this is... Oh, you have good taste, so I'll just bounce ideas off of what you say. <laughs> well, I mean, I like to pick games that I haven't played before, um, just because I find that when people haven't played the game, they're more likely to play it, whereas if they just pick oh, something that they like, then they might say, oh, I've already played it, I'll just go ahead and skip it, even though I nominated it. So, uh, let's see. Uh, I'm just looking through my Steam right yeah, now. Actually, you, you know what? Games that you think you would like, which is what I always do. Here's what I'll say, and it's for Wii U, so that might take away from its likeliness of getting picked, because people don't own Wii U's, it would be Pikmin 3. <gasps> That's a... Well, that... Okay, it's a good game, but it is so short. Uh-huh. It is beautiful, though. Okay. I can. I think I can live with that. I mean, we've done short games in the past, too. I yeah, just... Yeah. Well, it's like $60 for like eight hours. Mm-hmm. So, I mean... I don't know if it's worth it, but it was bought for me as like a guise of, hey, I want to play this game, here's a gift for you. How many copies of this one do you have? Just one. <laughs> just one. Just one, yeah. Well, maybe maybe the way I'll phrase it on the forums is just pick a Pikmin game. Except for Hey Pikmin. You can pick any of the three standard Pikmin games. I still need to finish Pikmin 2. Oh, that is... Well, I mean, I haven't played Pikmin 3, so I can't say it's the best, but that is the favorite of what I've played so far. It is my best friend's favorite game, and I haven't played it. It was it was in my top five for a while. It's probably in the top ten now, but it, it's remarkable. I love it so much. I have not played any of the Pikmin. That's because you're not great. <laughs> so this would be perfect for you, Rick. Yeah, all I've got to do is buy a Wii U in the game. Well, I mean... if You can go back and play it on GameCube. Yeah, if you play one of the GameCube games. To be fair, they re-released it for Wii, didn't they? Yeah, they did. The new play control. And they actually control really well. Um, I was going to say, if I was going to play it, I feel like I'd want to play it with a Wii mode. Mm. (laughs) Well, that seems like the smarter control scheme, because you can actually point and grab shit. And I, th- I love the GameCube controllers. Mm. I think it Not still works bad. very well with GameCube controllers, but I played, I have played the motion control, the Wii version of the first Pikmin, and like if you have it and you have Wii Wii Motion Plus, then it's very accurate. And mm-hmm. I mean, in GameCube, you kind of have to like set your certain distance. Uh, when you throw the Pikmin, but when you can actually like aim it specifically how far you want to throw it from you, I find that it's much easier. So yeah, that's that's what I'm going to nominate. Oh, Kidoki. Can't nominate anything smutty, so... <laughs> Says who? Could. I could, but it no would not get picked, and it would not be a good idea. Um. Well, Sayano Uda got picked before. That's that's different. <laughs> Isn't that the gross one? Yeah, it's it has really good story to back it up. 
It does. The one where he like sees everything as like flesh yes. and gore. Yeah. Yeah. I do want to play that. I didn't get around to it when it was. Game, it is to... only like a two-hour. It's like an evening game. Like you can just play it and finish it in a few hours. So you might. Is that well. short? Yep. Hmm. It's very short. It is hmm. less than ten hours. Hmm. I I think you should. Hmm. Then, um, I might nominate Voodoo Vent. Voodoo? Oh, okay. And I didn't that? If any of you? Didn't that randomly yeah, get like an HD re-release? Yeah. Yes, I am so excited. I used to play. Um, I used to go over to he. He wasn't my cousin, but we called him my cousin. <laughs> and I would go over to his house, and he had all these amazing games, and he was like my mentor, I guess I would say. Like, I had a lot of adult friends who would just let me come over and play video games. And he was the reason I like Jade Empire and Conquer's Bad Fur Day and Voodoo Vince and Harvest Moon and Animal Crossing. So I have really fond memories of... That is a full childhood right there. That is a full childhood. And he was the nicest guy, but he was, I forgot the word for it, but he was afraid to go outside. Mm. Agoraphobic. Yes. So I would come over and um, I eventually I got him to go outside and it was really good. And now he's married. It's awesome. Oh. Yeah. So he was like a big part of my childhood and he introduced me to all these great games. And I want to play Voodoo Vince. God damn it. <laughs> Okay, so that's gonna cover our Don't nominations. Give me that look. What look? Like the. I look. don't have even the slightest clue what you're talking. <laughs> so yeah, once uh, once those polls go up, make sure that you either either vote for Pikmin or Voodoo Vince or whatever. That's not a bad game, but I am not gonna <laughs> vote to make myself more sick. But you in the forum can. Do not. <laughs> so, somehow, even though I was keeping track of time, we still ended up at an hour 50 minutes here. But we hope that you enjoyed listening regardless. Uh, and we will catch you on the flip side. Homies, slices. It's nipple-tastic? It's nipple-tastic. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>